And this is lesson four, and this is the second part of what we covered last week, the mystery of the church, its inclusion and conclusion. We have to talk about this because our second lesson is called Daniel's 70 weeks, which is one of those deep, heavy topics when you talk about eschatology. And Daniel's 70 weeks are spoken of in Daniel chapter 9. Daniel's 70 weeks are what uh, theologians call the hub of prophecy, because if you can understand those 70 weeks, you can understand how time unfolds and how this age is going to wrap up. We covered uh, two weeks ago with Daniel's 70 weeks that there was 483 of those days or years, really it's years, that have been fulfilled. Remember, 70 weeks really is 490 years because the term for week in the Hebrew is not seven days, but seven sets of time. So we know it to be seven years. So 70 sets of seven years is 490 years. That's why we had to take a whole lesson to cover it because well, so why they call it weeks? Well, because sometimes in the Hebrew it's translated weeks. Sometimes it can be translated months. Sometimes it can be translated years. And so 490 years or 70 sets of seven. Hopefully that doesn't confuse you. You understood it when we covered it. But it's just referred to as Daniel's 70 weeks because the King James translates it weeks. Modern translations like the NAS or the NIV call it 70 sets of seven or 70 measures of seven years to further bring light to what the Hebrew word means. So we've had to cover what the church is because according to our Bible and what we have seen fulfilled in the history, of those 490 years that the angel told Daniel, there's only 490 years left and then this thing's done. Well, 490 years have come and gone big time. So what's going on? Well, when we look at the prophecies involved in Daniel chapter 9, we see that only 483 years has been fulfilled. So there's seven years missing. And what we understand is that at the 483rd year of Daniel's 70 sets of seven years, Jesus Christ was cut off. That's what Daniel's prophecy said. At 483 years, Messiah the Prince shall be cut off, but not for himself. We know he was cut off for us. Jesus Christ was crucified for us. And so after the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the church age came along. So we've had to take two lessons to look at the church. Why is it inserted? How come nobody knew about it? Because the church age being inserted helps us to explain and understand why seven, those seven last years have not been fulfilled yet. That 490 years have not been completed, only 483 years. The church age has been inserted and so far it's running on 2,000 years plus. If you remember our first lesson, or excuse me, our second lesson that covered dispensations, the church age has been the longest dispensation so far. And a dispensation, just to review briefly, is a, a set of time that God deals with his people differently. And we've had five so far. We are in the sixth one, the church age. And uh, the church age is where Jesus Christ is moving through the church to reveal himself through the church of the Lord Jesus. And we've been running 2,000 years on that. Before the church age was the age of the law or the dispensation of the law. That was about 14 or 1,500 years. That's where God revealed himself through Moses and the law. The law's been fulfilled. Now Jesus is revealed through the word of God, through the church, through himself. And so the church age has been the longest age because of God's mercy. It is longer than any other dispensation that has taken place because God is a merciful God and he's not willing that any should perish, but that all come to the knowledge of his son, Jesus. 
So we've had to stop and look at the church if we're going to accurately understand and explain how come the church was inserted. How come 483 years Messiah the Prince was cut off and how come God's not dealing with the Jews anymore? So that's been the purpose of last week's lesson and now this week's lesson. We couldn't just cover it in one, so we're going to pick it up and cover it in this one. Is everybody with us so far? Do we understand what we're trying to communicate? This is not so much sit back and get revelation and be instructed on how to live. This requires a little bit more college level thinking and and analysis and following along. This will benefit you, but this doesn't really benefit you with your family. This doesn't really benefit you on the job because hey, how's Daniel's 70th week going to help you on the job? You just need to walk with Jesus, have the fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, and live clean. This requires a little bit more because we have to think and analyze and understand some stuff. So that's why I want to go a little slower. This lesson I can burn through pretty quick. So if you have any questions, just raise your hand in this lesson. We'll try to address them. But we're covering Daniel's 70th week. Why after the 69th week did time stop? That's what we're addressing. Time stopped because the church was born. And the time, the 70 weeks, applies only to Israel and Jerusalem. That's what the angel told Daniel in the prophecy. 70 weeks are appointed unto thy people and thy holy city. Who's thy people? The Jews. Who, what's thy holy city? Jerusalem. So those 70 weeks applies only to the Jews and Jerusalem. Well, then along comes this thing called the church that nobody saw coming. That's what we spent all last week looking at scripture after scripture after scripture. So let's pick it up with this. We're going to see more scriptures. Look at your lesson there. We have seen how the birth of the church stopped God's time clock for the nation of Israel. That's one of the allegories we used last week. A lot of great eschatologists use it, that there's two clocks. Israel, from the time of that prophecy, the time clock started. And it started ticking down to the end of the age, the end of time. But along comes uh, the church age and and Israel's time clock gets stopped and the church age starts back up. And so the birth of the church on the day of Pentecost, Acts 2, caused Israel's time clock to stop and this new time clock to start clicking, the church. That time clock stopped on its 483rd year. When the church is raptured, the church's time clock will stop. The Jews' time clock will resume and the last seven years will play out. And thus, 490 years of prophecy will be fulfilled with this little inclusion of 2,000 plus years of church. That's what we're explaining here. The church was birthed and Daniel's 70th week was put on hold until the times of the Gentiles could be fulfilled. So what we're looking at here is why is there a times of the Gentiles? What's the big deal? We need to ask ourselves, why was the church age hidden? And that's what we're going to look at with these. Uh, The times of the Gentiles, there's two expressions that kind of coin that in the scriptures. We're going to look at that. Biblically, there are only three categories of humans on earth. Jew, Gentile, and saint. And a saint is a born-again Christian. That's nothing Catholic. Catholics just kind of perverted the whole saint thing. Even what they call saints, we probably call perverts and deviants. A saint is who you are if you're born again in Christ Jesus. We're called the beloved. We're called the saints of God. Until the day of Pentecost, God dealt with mankind through the Jews. All right. During the, during the Moses law, the dispensation of the law, God was revealing himself to mankind through the Mosaic law, through the Ten Commandments and through Israel. We saw that last week, even under Moses's dispensation, the law, that 14, 1500 years, 
God was even raising up evangelists then to go tell people about Jehovah. Jonah was an evangelist. He was a prophet, but he was sent as an evangelist to Nineveh. That's Iraq. That's not Israel. And then you had the queen of Sheba come visit Solomon and was moved by the spirit of God and moved by what God was doing and no doubt took that down into Ethiopia so that on the day of Pentecost, they were Ethiopian Jews. So even in under the law, under the dispensation of the law, evangelism was still going out to tell people about this living God, Jehovah. So under the dispensation of the law, God revealed himself through the law, through the covenant, through the promises. However, after the Jewish nation rejected their Messiah, God broke off the Jews and began to engraft the Gentiles. 2,000 years later, the church is still predominantly made up of Gentile converts. When you think of the church, you don't think of Jews. How many Jews are in China? Probably a whopping none, unless it's a little Hasidic community somewhere in Beijing. When you think of Africa, do you think of Jews? How about uh, South America? Mexico, do you think of Mexican Jews? But all over those continents, Africa, South America, Mexico, China, Siberia, you have the church. And if you're not born of the seed of Israel, you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. And so we see that the church is predominantly 99.99999% Gentile. Once you become born again, you're no longer a Gentile, though we understand that you're a Christian. Just like when a Jew becomes born again, they're no longer a Jew, they're a Christian. Paul never called himself a Jew. He said, I'm the apostle of Jesus Christ, born again to those that are born again. So we understand that once you become born again, you leave one of the two classifications you were, Jew or Gentile, and you become born again. Technically, there's no such thing as a Messianic Jew. What that's saying is you believe in Jesus, but you still want to live under the law. The whole book of Galatians was written to rebuke and stomp that. We don't keep the kosher. Eat all the shellfish you want. Eat all the bacon you want. Thank God for it. Circumcise or don't circumcise if you want. And you don't have to go to the wailing wall to pray. Just get on your knees and talk to Jesus. And we don't have to go to church on Saturday. We can go to church Monday if we want. We've been delivered and redeemed. So we're not under these laws to make us righteous. So under the Moses' law, God dealt through the Jews. But now in the church age, God moves to the Gentiles called the church. I don't mean to confuse you. There's lots of Gentiles that don't know Jesus, but you understand what I'm saying. The church is predominantly Gentile. Africans, Asians, Japanese, Australians, Aborigines, Eskimos, Inuit, Mexican, South American, Venezuelan. Thank God, American, good old, just old-fashioned white. Thank God. God loves even us white people. <laughs> we, need, we need them. 2,000 years later, the church is still predominantly made up of Gentile converts. This is known as the time of the Gentiles. And I want us to look at now and see how the Gentiles have become God's people. We know the Jews have always been called God's people, but in the church age, Gentiles are called God's people. Look at this, our first verse, 1 Peter 2, 9, 8, and 10. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, which in times past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Peter's saying, listen, you bunch of Gentile believers, you used to be nothing, but now you're something. And you used to have no mercy, but now you've got mercy. 
Peter quotes a promise made by God to the Israelites in Exodus 19. That promise is a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. That is word for word what God told Israel at the base of the mountain in Exodus chapter 19. He said, if you'll obey me, I will make you a chosen generation. I will make you a royal priesthood. I will make you a holy nation. I will make you a peculiar people. God wants to do that with anybody that will believe with him and believe on him. We know the Jews, they were a stubborn, stiff-necked people from the beginning. And the neat thing is to see God's heart has not changed. If you will follow him, he wants to extend to you this covenant. He will make you a holy nation. He will make you a peculiar people, a royal generation, a royal priesthood. At the time, Israel was God's people. So at the time of Exodus 19, however, their rejection of the Messiah caused God to move on to a people who were not a people, the Gentiles, and caused them to be his people, Christians. He now extends this Old Testament promise to us. See, we weren't born in Israel. If you've got any Jewish blood in you, it doesn't show. So, and there's no such thing as black Jew. You know, if you're Ethiopian Jew, you're a proselyte. Just like there were some Roman proselytes And we need to understand, really, everybody in this room is a a Gentile by birth, but a Christian by born-again birth. And so we have now become inheritors of these promises that God extends to anyone and everyone that will walk with Him. But you've got to be mindful. If you don't want to walk with Him, you can forfeit the promises, just like Israel did. Look at uh, Romans chapter 9, verses 25 and 26. As He also has said in Hosea, I will call them my people, which were not my people, and call her beloved, which was not beloved. And it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, you are not my people, there shall they be called the children of the living God. Now, that's cool because that's exactly what Jesus Christ did for three and a half years in Israel. He walked around and he told the Gentiles, you're not my people. He told the Syrophoenician woman, you're a dog. He told others, I have been sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He kept telling the Greeks, I, you, I am not your Messiah. You, you are not my people. But yet when he died on the cross in Jerusalem, he said, you're my people. So in the very place for three and a half years where he would tell folks, I'm not your solution. You, you're a dog. You're a Greek. You're a Gentile. That's the very place that when he died on the cross for all of mankind, he said, now whosoever will come. And we know in those, in those instances, he was pushing their faith and seeing if they would still believe with the Syrophoenician woman. She said, you're right. I am a dog, but I can have crumbs. Can I? And he said, woman, you have great faith. And he was always doing miracles. In fact, you find with those Gentiles that were around Jesus, they believed on him more than the Israelites did than the Jews did. And so it almost looks like he was more eager to die for them because they were more eager to believe. God spent one dispensation building a relationship with Israel, and that is the dispensation of the law. Now he was spending one dispensation working to build a relationship with the Gentiles. That's the dispensation of grace. And we have now become his people. We need to understand this principle, this this occurrence in the spirit, because it helps us to explain why Daniel's 69th week stopped And the 70th week has not been fulfilled because God had to fulfill all these promises he talked about. I will redeem a people that are not a people. I will go to a a flock that you know not of, that I will die for the whole world, that I will redeem mankind. And so he had to stop the time clock. 
in order to be able to allow the world to hear about his son, Jesus. The Jews knew about their Messiah, but the Gentiles were just lying in darkness. Even Paul, when he preached at Mars Hill, he said, listen to me. They're all a bunch of Gentiles worshiping all sorts of gods. He said, you have sinned a lot. And in times past, God has winked at it. But now he has manifested his son. And it seems as though God has been a lot merciful to the Gentiles in ignorance than he ever was to the Jews in their knowledge. Because the Jews knew better, and yet they willfully rebelled. The Gentiles who were ignorant, they just didn't know better. And if you'll think about some of the Old Testament stories, the Gentiles were more quicker to repent, like in Nineveh. It just took one prophet one day, and the whole nation repented. Even the cows repented. It took about 100 years of Jeremiah and Isaiah screaming against Israel to try to prevent their calamity, and they didn't even succeed. Now, the scary thing for us now, church, is that we've had 2,000 years of Jesus, and the Lord is raising up people to tell us, repent, get clean, and we're turning deaf ears to that just like the Jews did because we've become overly familiar with our God like the Jews did. And so we, even though we're the special people now, the church, we're falling into the same pattern of sin that the Jews did, that sin of familiarity. Oh, God will be merciful. God doesn't really mean it. That's what Jeremiah pointed out in the wickedness of his day. They say, oh, God hath not seen. He won't judge. God, look at how long it's gone and he hasn't done anything yet. Look, Isaiah prophesied it hasn't come to pass yet. Jeremiah, you're screaming against us. It won't come to pass yet. And yet that's what's going on in the church. Repent. Jesus is coming. Repent. Get clean. Clean hands, clean hearts, clean mouths, clean eyes. Repent. And what we're seeing is the church hardened its heart just as the Jews did. And if God will judge his people who were a people through Abraham, you got to believe he will judge the church who is a people through his son, Jesus. That's a scary principle. That's a scary uh, thought to consider. Look at our next passage is Romans chapter 11. For I speak to you Gentiles. Now, that's how we can call ourselves Gentiles, though we are Christians. Paul's writing to Roman believers. This is from the epistle to the Roman church. But he says, I speak to you Gentiles. Well, they're born again, but he's just calling them what they are. They, they are Gentiles by birth. Inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify mine office. And if, and now he jump, I jump down here a little bit. And if some of the branches be broken off, and you Gentiles, being a wild olive tree, were grafted among them, and with them partakes of the root and the fatness of the olive tree, boast not against the branches. That's why we can't get in pride against the Jews or what they did or the calamities they have suffered. A lot of what the Jews have suffered, God prophesied to them they would suffer if they didn't walk with him back in Deuteronomy 28. And Deuteronomy 28 has a whole bunch of curses and they have come to pass word for word, line upon line, even down to the nitty gritty that you will eat your own children because you don't serve God. And that has been fulfilled time and time again by the Jews. But Paul right here says, don't go getting cocky about this thing. Just because they sinned and fell, don't get cocky about this thing. He says, boast not thyself against the branches, but if you boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. That root is Jesus. He's the root of Jesse. In the end, this is all about Jesus. It's not about Jew versus Gentile. It's all about who you are in Jesus and what you're doing with Jesus. Jesus is the root. It doesn't mind what the other branches are doing. They're not your problem. Jesus is the vine. The father's the husbandman. We're just grafted in and we just got to say, thank you, Jesus. If you boast, uh, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. That will say then, the branches were broken off, speaking of the Jews, that I might be grafted in. 
Well, because of unbelief, they were broken off and you stand by faith. The Jews were broken off because they did not receive their Messiah. They mocked him. They scorned him. Now, now here, let me add this, though. But we do know Jews did get saved and we do know Jews are still being saved. But it's less than one percent of one percent of one percent. They were Jews that got born again on the day of Pentecost and for the, most of the book of Acts. But it's not the whole nation. And so the whole nation of Israel, because they rejected and were an unbelief about Jesus, the Messiah, the Lord broke them off. And the Gentiles began to be grafted in to Jesus, the Messiah. Are you with me? You're following all this? Sometimes we don't think about all the repercussions and ramifications because we're so caught up in the church and that's fine. Getting folks born again. We don't think whether they're Jew or Gentile. We just say, you need Jesus. But there's a lot of this that we're looking at because we're studying eschatology in the end times. And when you really begin to dig deep into end times, you'll find it all revolves around Israel. It all revolves around Jerusalem because that's what God told Daniel that the end times will revolve around you, your people, and the holy city. Now, wait, now we're jumping ahead briefly just to keep you interested to understand why do we have to take this sideline here and study the church and, and the Jews being broken off. Where does the Antichrist rule from? Jerusalem. What is the abomination desolation for those that you know? It is where he goes into the Holy of Holies, which is the Mosaic Temple or, or Solomon's Temple, and he sits upon the Ark of the Covenant basically, and says, I am God. That does not involve the church whatsoever. That's all Jewish. That's all Israel. That's the Temple Mount. That's the rebuilt temple. That's the Ark of the Covenant being brought out. And that's the Antichrist walking into Israel, walking into Jerusalem, walking onto Solomon's porch, into the temple, standing in the holy place of God and saying, oh, and by the way, world, I am God. That's where all this is headed, but we have to understand how all the... If we, let, if, let me say it this way. I don't like it, but it's maybe we understand it in our American jargon. This is how all the spiritual politics have played out. The Jews rejected Jesus. He broke them off. We believe on Jesus. We're grafted in by faith. All right, you got that? So we can't get cocky about any of this. There's not black, white, Mexican, Latino, or Asian. There's Jew, Gentile, and born again, period. So if you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile, whether you're black or yellow or polka dotted or Brother Robert, or Mr. Eddie. All right, let's go on here. The branches were broken off that I might be grafted. Well, because of unbelief, they were broken off, and you stand by faith. Be not high-minded, but fear. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed lest he also spare not thee. Now, that's a little scary because it starts to kind of kick against the once saved, always saved. Now, we know that he'll never leave us nor forsake us and nothing can take us out of his hand and nothing will separate us from the love of God. But he's saying, look, if the Jews, which were his people, will be broken off because of unbelief and, and faithlessness, what he's saying, that's what he's saying. I mean, I don't know how you can translate that. But, uh, take heed that he, lest he also spare not thee. I don't know how else to translate that. Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God on them which fell severity, but toward thee goodness, if you continue in his goodness. So there's some conditions there. Otherwise, thou shalt also be cut off. I don't know how otherwise to explain that. You can also be cut off. But let me show you. We keep reading because there's a little bit more hope in this passage. And they also, if they abide still not in unbelief, 
shall be grafted in. So there's opportunity for Jews to be grafted back in. Perhaps that means you can be grafted back in. I don't know if that means born again again. I don't believe in born again again. But if the Jews are broken off, can be grafted back in when they repent of their unbelief. Maybe you get stupid, backslide, curse God, and then at the very end say, you know what? That was dumb. Lord, help my heart. I don't know. I'm not trying to make up new doctrine. We're just kind of navigating one of the more difficult chapters in the New Testament, which is Romans 9, 10, and 11. Here we're in chapter 11. And they also, if they abide still not in unbelief, shall be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. For if you were cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to nature into a good olive tree, notice it says that our roots are wild. I don't understand why we're chasing our background and our genealogy trying to figure out our roots. Right here, you got all the answer you need. Wild. We might add stupid. We might add rebellious. Who cares? Uh, you know, I, my family has always kept track of their genealogy. We know that the two McMichael brothers came over to Virginia in 1798. la So my family left the potato famine and quit wearing dresses. Thank God I've been delivered. I don't need a genealogy to tell me I came from weirdos. <laughs> We're from a, all of us are from pagan roots. You didn't have to go look up some genealogy.com to figure that out. Right here in the Bible it says, you come from a wild root. <laughs> and by the mercy of God, the Holy Ghost has civilized us. I don't understand all this cultural pride. Right here, Paul says, you are from a wild root. <laughs> That's all you need to know. Now I have a new heritage in Jesus. That's, I don't want to study my Scottish heritage. I want to study the heritage of my fathers, Paul, Peter, John Wesley, uh, Seymour from the Azusa Revival, uh, Billy Graham. That's my, that's my heritage. That's my legacy. That's, that's my culture. That's a Christian culture, casting out devils, healing the sick, traveling the world to preach the gospel. Who cares about a bunch of Scottish Highlanders playing bagpipes and tossing telephone poles? That's goofy. <laughs> Amen. If you were cut out of the tree, which is wild by nature, and were engrafted contrary to nature into a good olive tree, thank God we got a good olive tree now. How much more shall these, which by be the natural branches, be grafted into their own tree? I would have you just remember Jesus is a Jew. And we are now grafted into him. Now, we're not going to start studying Jewish roots. We don't need that. But Jesus is still a Jew. He was born of the house of David, of the seed of Jesse, of the tribe of Judah. He's a Jew. And now we're grafted into that. And remember, Paul said in this passage, Romans 9, 10, 11, he said, but unto the Jews pertain the promises and the law and the covenants and the priesthood. Jesus is a priest after the Jewish order. And so, uh, we, we, you know, we're just grafted in. It should keep us humble. My God, Lord, that you would stop time for little old Gentiles. You would stop time for a bunch of little white Europeans. You'd stop time for a bunch of yellow South Americans. You'd stop time for a bunch of black Africans. Father, wow, you would stop the promise to Daniel to have mercy on a bunch of folks that be no folks. For a bunch of people that be no people. This really ought to humble us. And not put some kind of pride in us. 
For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery. Last week, we looked at all sorts of scriptures that talked about in the mystery. The church was a mystery. This mystery of the fellowship, the fellowship of the mystery. Here it is mystery again. Don't be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits. That blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. We are part of that fullness. And that's the great commission to go out and bring in as many Gentiles as possible. And that blindness has in part happened to the Jews that the Gentiles might be given an opportunity. Thank God for it. But even as he said there, even in this dispensation, Jews can be born again. The church was started off with born again Jews. Peter was a Jew. He was the first preacher on the day of Pentecost. Paul was a Jew. He was a great apostle to the Gentiles. All those disciples, those apostles of the Lamb, all Jews. And Jesus is still saving Jews today. But they, they're just blinded, and it's a spiritual thing. But even Corinthians says, if their heart will turn, that veil will be taken off, and they'll see Jesus. There's even a great ministry called Jews for Jesus right now that is trying to convert the Jews to their Savior. It'll only work in part because it will not violate Scripture. They'll only reap a small harvest of Jews because the Jews can't be here. They can't go in the rapture. They've got to be here to take over the show when their time clock starts again. If all the Jews get saved, there'll be no part, point in hitting that time clock for Jewish time. So there'll be a, that'll be the large contingency in the tribulation, which is the last seven years of Daniel's clock. All right? Paul reveals in this passage part of the reason Israel has been blinded to the reality of Jesus Christ is so the Gentiles can come to the saving knowledge of him. The Jews are broken off because of doubt, and in doing so, they have made room for the Gentiles to, by faith, be grafted into Jesus Christ. God the Father is allowing the Jews to be blind so the fullness of the Gentiles can come in. Thank God, that's mercy. We who were no people are now a people. We who never had any mercy, we have now obtained mercy. Luke 21, 24 is where we get the expression, the times of the Gentiles. And they, this is talking about Israel, Jesus speaking here. He said, and they shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captives into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. That was prophecy that began happening right after he left the earth. And part of that, it was fulfilled in 70 AD when the Romans sacked Jerusalem. They tore it down, and from that day forward, Israel, the Israelites began to be scattered into all nations. That was part of Bible prophecy. He said, I will smite the shepherd, the sheep will scatter, and Israel was scattered, along with some other prophecies in Isaiah and Ezekiel. And the Jews were scattered all over the world until Israel became a nation again in the 40s, 1948. At that point, something happened inside Jews. And I've known some Jews, and it's a crazy thing. Ever since then, Jews have been flooding back to Israel. And it's almost as though something clicks inside of them. The reason so many Jews were killed in Russia is because Jews had spread to Russia. The reason so many Jews were killed in Poland by Hitler is because the Jews had spread to Europe and Germany and Romania. There were so many Jews. There's even Jews in South America that had fled there. And now there seems to be something that has clicked and it's beginning to draw Jews back to Israel. I worked with a guy named Rancic, who was a Jew, uh, a Polish Jew. Actually, his grandparents survived the Holocaust. His mom and dad immigrated to the States in the late 60s as Polish immigrants, Jews. And I worked with him as an engineer for a company out of Atlanta. And Rancic's brother, when he, he turned about 20, all of a sudden he lit up and said, I'm moving back to Israel. 
and just took his whole family to Israel and lives in Israel. And Rancic, when I met him, carnal dude sleeping around drinking, he was a Virginia Tech grad. I mean, just carnal, he said, I wanna go back to Israel. And I just sat there at lunch with him in Atlanta. I thought, this is Bible prophecy right here. Something has clicked inside you, man. And it's it just, they're flooding back. But he said, Jerusalem will be controlled by Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. To this day, Gentiles have built something big on their Temple Mount, the Dome of the Rock. Muslims are Gentiles. Israel has never fully been Israel's since the day of Jesus Christ, which is actually since they were led into captivity. And that's part of the time of the Gentiles. But we also know that the time of the Gentiles includes salvation being offered to all Gentiles. And until that's fulfilled, the Jews will never have Jerusalem back. And so read that verse again, Luke 21, 24. And they shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. That will be satisfied and fulfilled when Jesus Christ comes back in his second coming. And then he will smite all the Gentile enemies and Jerusalem will be given back to Israel at that time. But don't forget, even halfway through the tribulation, and we'll cover that in the weeks ahead, the Antichrist comes into Jerusalem and he sits in the Holy of Holies and says, I'm God and this is my place. So even then the Jews don't have full control of Israel. They will not have it until their Messiah comes back and they recognize him. This is all Bible prophecy. It's not been fulfilled yet. But as we've been covering, the church has been inserted and the times of the Gentiles is running hot and heavy right now. Really all Israel is right now is a massive blip on everybody's uh, 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 international affairs. Right now, if you know, Israel's the size of New Jersey and yet every major nation has to harness their, their international foreign policy around this little bitty postage stamp sized piece of property on the coast of the Mediterranean. All those Palestinians want it. Why don't all the Muslims just cut off a little bit of their land all the way around them and give them that? Why don't they give them some of their desert? Why do they want Israel's desert? Because God has a covenant with Israel. So everybody, since Israel was reborn in the 40s, has had to tiptoe around Israel because of God's promises. And you don't mess with Israel. <laughs> and Israel doesn't cater to anybody else's foreign policy. All the world can say, don't do it, and they'll say, watch me. <laughs> yeah, you, because they have this thing that we've lost, and that's called determination and conviction and commitment. Whereas we've become seeker friendly, like the church has. The church got it from the politics of the day. We don't want to offend anybody. Israel says, this is our land. This ain't your land. God's given it to us. You mess with us, we'll wipe you off the map. That's our, Israel says, that's our heritage. We're good at annihilating nations. <laughs> We're ordained to do it. Amen. Before we get too gung-ho there. All right, so that kind of concludes our little section on the church being inserted and why it was a mystery why Daniel's 69th week stopped and the 70th week has not been fulfilled because the times of the Gentiles must be fulfilled. Now let's look at what's going to restart the Jewish clock. That's going to be the end of the Gentile times or really the end of the church age. That's here, the rapture will stop and start time. We're all familiar with the rapture. That's basic Christian doctrine. The rapture is the catching away of the saints of God by the Lord Jesus to be with Him in the air. We actually have at least one lesson next week. We'll start talking about the rapture in depth. It might turn into two 
as I keep writing things and seeing things I've never seen before. As much as I've taught on the rapture and even have written two other curriculum on the rapture, I'm seeing stuff about the rapture I've never seen before, so we're adding it to these new lessons. So we cannot cover eschatology and not have at least one lesson on the rapture. I cannot assume that everybody knows what it is and that you're going. So we got to cover some stuff. Uh, the rapture is the catching away of the saints of God by the Lord Jesus to be with Him in the air. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17 is one of our most popular verses on it. For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we be with the Lord Praise God. Caught up together is the Greek word harpezo, to catch, to snatch, to lead something away. Uh, one of the things we, we cover in the next lesson is that the word rapture is not in the Bible, but it's from the Latin Bible for this Greek word harpezo. Harpezo in Latin is rapir or raptir or raptus, depending on how you conjugate the word. And we get the English word to be enraptured. And when you're enraptured with something, you're caught up. And that's where we get the word rapture from. Uh, like Dr. Barclay just pointed out when he was here with us, yeah, the word rapture is not in the Bible, but the word Bible's not in the Bible. But we still call it the Bible. And so whether we call it the catching away, the snatching away, or we call it the harpezo, well, who cares? We just get caught up. I might add this just to throw it out there. It may upset your doctrine. I would tell you, if you're not caught up with God now, you may not get caught up with Him then. So our life now as a Christian is to be as caught up with Jesus Christ right now as we can be. So that, that catching is a little bit bigger, but you're conditioned and used to it. But if you're put out with God and He blows that trumpet, you might be put out with Him then. So I, we, I was talking with, with Pastor Fred last night at dinner, and I said, I know we can't know the time, because if we could know the time when that trumpet was going to blow, we'd live like the devil until the day of. But because we don't know, we have to watch and occupy till He comes. Because if we knew it, I mean, your flesh would say, I oh, I can back off. I, I don't, he won't come until January 21st, 2018. I mean, what is that? That's six years out. Let me go, do, let me go live my bucket list. <laughs> Stupid movie, worst concept. Because nobody ever puts on their bucket list, heal the sick, raise the dead, win 10,000 to Christ, give a million to missions, skydiving naked. All I can drink in Jamaica. One night in Vegas. That's what Christians put on their bucket list. That's the carnal concept. If you know what a bucket list is, it's what you want to do before you kick the bucket. It's your list of things you want to do before you die. Inspired by a dumb movie with Jack Nicholson and Morgan Freeman. And some of their stuff was pretty carnal. If we knew the time, we might start living some carnal demonized bucket list. So he doesn't tell us. <laughs> he just says, walk by faith and I'll come get you when I'm ready. Right. You just make sure you're ready. <laughs> Once the church is taken away, and we're just going to cover up how the church is concluded. We'll start talking about more of this next week. Once the church is taken away, Jewish time will resume. Well, that makes sense because the church is gone. Well, if the church is gone, God's not dealing with the earth through the church. He has to go back to the previous set of people, which was the Jews. It is necessary for the church to be removed 
out of the earth so the Antichrist may rise to power. That is just set in God's time and season and in His purpose like everything else. That's just how it must be. 2 Thessalonians 2, 3b through 7 says, And that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is God. That's talking about the Antichrist or his worship. So that he as God sits in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember you not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. That right there is one of our reasons why we must preach on eschatology because Paul was in a habit of preaching it when he was in his churches. He's talking about end times event. He says, guys, don't you remember when I was with you, I taught you these things? And I say, I wish I was in those because I would like more clarity than what he's alluded to in his, his epistles. I guarantee the other church had perfect perspective because Paul himself would come in and straighten it all out. He said, don't you remember when I was with you, I taught you these things? And you know what withholds, why do they know? Because he taught them. What withholds that he might be revealed in his time? The he being revealed is the Antichrist. He will be revealed in his time. For the mystery, there's the word mystery again. All this stuff's been hidden. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. That he that letteth will let till he be taken out of the way is us. It is the church. The church is the body. The church is not necessarily the bride. The bride has to be a she. The body's not a she. The body's a he unless Jesus has a beard and female body parts. That's kind of weird and creepy. Now, overall, it's what theologians call an anthropomorphic analogy. So Jesus is not really going to marry us like we marry and have sex. That's creepy. We're not going to have sex with Jesus forever and ever. And he's not technically going to marry the new Jerusalem. He's not going to marry a city. That's weird. Who marries a city? But we understand it's an anthropomorphic analogy of unity. And that's a whole nother discussion. He that letteth will let. That's us. We can't stop inequity. It's still working. We're letting that thing go on. But once we're taken out of the way, it will come in all of its fullness. Just like John said, we'll cover this in a lesson I've written on the Antichrist, the spirit of Antichrist. The spirit of Antichrist is already at work in the earth and you can't stop it. But what our presence in the earth does do is it does stop it from manifesting in one man concentrated called Antichrist. The church is the he who withholds the Antichrist from manifesting. And the church is the he who will soon be taken out of the way. The church cannot be the Holy Spirit. Some teach that the Holy Spirit is the he that will be taken out of the way. It can't be the Holy Spirit because he's never going to leave the earth. He, wasn't, he didn't even leave the earth in Genesis. He still hovered around the earth. The Holy Spirit will still be in the earth. Who empowers the two witnesses if the Holy Ghost is gone? Who still allows the tribulation saints to get saved if the Holy Ghost is gone? The Holy Spirit draws people. Who's going to empower the 144,000 witnesses to do the work of an evangelist if the Holy Spirit's gone? It cannot be the Holy Spirit because he doesn't leave. The he is the body of Christ, the church. After Revelation chapter 4, you see no mention of the church in everything that happens through the seven years of tribulation. So the church is not here. So even those that get born again during the tribulation, which is Jewish time, they're not considered church, which is kind of a new species of people. But we've already covered that, that everybody in each of the dispensations had their own unique relationship with God. Enoch had a walk with God, we'll never know. Moses had a walk with God, we'll never know. David had a walk with God, we'll never know. We have a walk with God, they'll never know. And just like you with your children, you have a different relationship with each of your kids. 
God the Father in His infiniteness gets to have a different walk with each of His children in the dispensations. The two witnesses will have a unique calling I will never have. Samson had something Paul never had. And Samson knew God after a way that Paul would never know God. But Paul knew God in a way Samson could never know. So it's not so far to think that those that get born again after the rapture of the church are not considered church. There's something different. But we have to assume that because the the third church is never mentioned again after Revelation chapter 3. Before Revelation chapter 3, it's mentioned 19 or so times. Chapters 1, 2, and 3. To the church, to the church, to the church. After chapter 4, nothing. So the rapture of the church will accomplish several things. The rapture allows God to be with all of His family at once. That's pretty cool. The rapture will change corruptible bodies into incorruptible. We'll cover that next week in Sunday school. The rapture will preserve the church for the, from the great tribulation. We're not appointed under wrath. We don't have to do it and go through it, praise God. The rapture will bring an instantaneous end to the church age and allow Jewish time to resume. And the rapture will produce a chaos that will necessitate a leader to arise. Let's say a billion people disappear. You got problems. Airplane pilots, commuter pilots, train pilots, cars, automobiles, construction workers. What about the guy whose job at the power plant is to make sure every hour it doesn't overload and he's gone and the power plant overloads and you got meltdown or something? You're going to have a mess to clean up and the world will be in sheer chaos, no doubt. And someone will say, I have an idea. (laughs) And here he comes. And by then we're already being conditioned for a world order. It will release the Antichrist to arise and operate manifest. The disappearance of the church will. Because we we just got to conclude because I'm past time. As it stands, the church has been given all power and authority. Jesus said that in the end of Matthew. It is the great restraining force keeping the Antichrist from being able to fully manifest. Let us occupy until our Lord returns. So that concludes our fourth lesson on eschatology for Sunday school. Remember, if you have any questions, write them down, email them to me, put them in the offering. I love you guys. We'll take a break. We'll be ready for service here in about 13 minutes.